This week's episode is brought to you by the Communico Weekly Web Store, now featuring a brand new shirt that all cadets will enjoy. What kind of shirt? Maybe it's a ghost whistle! Ooh! Seriously, it's, it's a ghost whistle shirt, designed by the amazingly talented Jeffrey Delgado. So, visit CommunicoWiki.com, click on the store tab, and get yours today. Hello, and welcome to Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show and home of the world's first pair of independently born identical twins. I'm George. And I'm Jeff. And I just had a fun-filled weekend at Disneyana. It was great. How come you weren't there, George? (laughs) Because it's how many thousands of miles away? It's only 3,000, George. (laughs) It could have been 5,000. That's true. Like if you had been like at Disneyland Paris or something? Uh, Let's do that next. That's still probably another 3,000 miles just for me. Well, for you, it's 3,000, probably. Yeah, well, you, you did a little, uh, it wasn't cross-dressing. Sort it's of called cosplay. cosplay. Yeah, cosplay. Yeah. And there's pictures of it on, there's pictures of it on the Kuna Kuruliki Facebook page of me and Keith <laughs> dressed up as Jose and Panchito from the Three Caballeros because it tied into our presentation, mm-hmm. and it was great. And did you guys actually do a song and dance? Uh, I actually came out to a, a, a song from uh, Saludos Amigos where I was playing my umbrella as a ah. flute like he does in the film and it got Very a good nice. laugh so of course it did if you were there a grown man dressed up like a hmm i want to Anam- say parrot. anamorphic uh, parrot is what i was yeah that's what i was like okay a humanized <laughs> parrot humanized. i even had the tail feathers on the back of my yellow coat so nice it was pretty great but so Very if you were nice. there thanks for coming i hope you enjoyed it and if you weren't there like george womp womp <laughs> It's time for Disney History! George recently wrote an article about Epcot and the future, and I think it kind of warranted a discussion on the show, uh, because the article itself was really great, and it brought up a lot of interesting points. Um, and it basically looked at the early beginnings of the park and what it evolved into along with where it should go in, in the future, especially because of the, uh, the current state it's in. That's true. So, where is Epcot Center? Was the the oft-heard rally or cry in the early 1970s around Walt Disney World? Guests, the media especially, and of course government officials and even cast members were constantly asked and asking about the city of tomorrow. You know, Walt's dream of a futuristic city was more than enough to sell the Florida governments on giving Walt Disney Productions an almost unheard of amount of freedom for their development of Epcot Center and Walt Disney World. So expectations were extremely high for what was going to be built in Florida. Uh, And even though there was constant and consistent innovation through new technologies, they were often behind the scenes, you know, and just weren't quite as glamorous as a futuristic city. You know, there was a, a January 26, 1974 uh, Eyes and Ears where Card Walker, Walker was asked, um, The long-term question most often asked is about Epcot. Is any work being done on it yet? And Card actually responded by saying, Let's put it this way. 
we've never really stopped working on Epcot. Many of the things you, we've done already are part of the Epcot plan. Our sewer, power, AVAC, underground utilities, and transportation, our tree farm experiments, and many other things. They're all part of the ideas behind Epcot. Also, for the last three months, our creative team at WED has been working on designs and we're now planning on combining key people from each of the companies we're now involved with, the participants we're meeting with this week, and the best <laughs> minds of the academic world. We're going to aggressively pursue this project. Yeah. So once you actually start to delve into the history of Walt Disney World, you'll find the beginnings of Epcot Center you know, throughout the park. And we're not talking about Walt's experimental prototype community of tomorrow, but the cutting-edge technology that would be the basis for Epcot Center. In the first few years of the Magic Kingdom and the resort itself, you'd be hard-pressed not to find technical advancements everywhere. Early books, magazines, and internal publications, they really focused on the technological changes that Disney was ushering in to create, maintain, and to expand uh, the vacation kingdom of the world at the time. There was a solar power, fiber optic communications, uh, including the first 911 system in Florida, uh, water reclamation, and, and more. And Card Walker and Don Tatum spent a lot of 1975 and 1976 trying to get people to see that Epcot Center was already being implemented at the Vacation Kingdom of the World. Now, there were solar panels on the roof of the Reedy Creek Utilities Company, and in 1975, the Traffic Operator Traffic uh, System, or TOPS, was installed. Um, TOPS actually assisted telephone operators with routing calls. And it was the first installation of its kind in the continental United States, and it showed the origin of the call and the billing address where it came from, and it allowed more than 90 countries to be dialed directly. So it was pretty innovative stuff for the time. Yeah, there was a lot of innovation going on. And, and to further this point, in 1975, Card Walker said, before we go any further, let's explain very basically and briefly the current plan for Epcot. All 43 square miles of our property is, in many ways, actually becoming part of Epcot already. Okay, and they were, without a doubt. But things have changed. Walt Disney World, and in particular Epcot Center, used to be known for taking advantage of and implementing forward-thinking technology. And, and not just the additions of magic bands or frozen-themed merchandise. Basically, it seems like any technological breakthroughs now are being directed by the company's desire to extend vacations and get more money from the guests. You know, I get that. I understand it. I just really want Future World to become a showcase for technology like it was supposed to be. Yeah, and like it was for a mm -hmm. very, very long time. Um, so there's this podcast that the two of us listen to. It's called Tech Stuff. And they often refer to Epcot Center in regards to the latest and greatest technologies of the early 1980s. And uh, the host, Jonathan and Lauren, um, they actually they mentioned the World Key kiosk and uh, even the touring on the Segways when they refer to the, the cutting-edge technology. And uh, one of their shows was called Solar Freaking Roadways, and it actually discussed using solar panels as our actual highways. And it's, it's a weird concept to think about driving um, on top of solar panels, but... The host discussed uh, a lot of the pros and cons of it, and, and listening to the show, it kind of made us realize that this is exactly the type of forward-thinking technology that we need to see at Epcot these days, and not only Epcot, but throughout the entire Walt Disney World property. Yeah, so besides being able to power a lot of the resorts, the solar power solar road panels would also have LED, or light-emitting diode technology, to change the direction of the roads and help direct people. Um, obviously, it would help you with parking, 
because they could change the color of the road and you could be like, oh, I parked in purple or I parked in this part of the lot. I'm colorblind. Um, <laughs> great. <laughs> this is the anti-Jeff Heimbuck system. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, and you could also, once the technology, technology gets there, they could direct individual people to their appropriate place based on their magic band. Oh, you've got 15 minutes for your frozen meet and greet. Head this way. Um, but seriously, the, the roadway itself could be changed to redirect the traffic flow, assist guests with exiting the parking lots, and delineate specific areas for parking. I mean, imagine being able to follow a brightly colored line or arrow to get back to your parking space. You know, that kind of reminds me of that commercial. I think it was the insurance company with the arrow that was, you know, oh, turning yeah, somebody's yeah. life out. Kind, kind yep. of cool i mean it's I'm that kind of way. thing granted that was fake and all digitally done <laughs> but it's the same type of idea um in 1975 card walker said time and again these important and distinguished people said that only disney seems to have two vital prerequisites the credibility with the public and an ability to ability to communicate issues such as the energy crisis in fact these people told us that this energy story cannot wait that it is absolutely vital to the general public to understand the complete energy story as soon as possible so even back then, they had energy on their mind, especially when it came to new energy sources and how to convey that information to the public. And it feeds right into the solar panel roadways of today. Yeah, so it's been argued that the solar panel roadway is just way too expensive. But what about, you know, just using the panels throughout the resort? Uh, walkways at downtown Disney or, you know, pathways in Future World? Talk about a great way to refresh various areas of Tomorrowland. And you could also run the solar pa panels alongside of or, you know, off the side of the monorail beamway itself. You know, to, to appease the bean counters, you could always in, use the embedded LEDs to help market and promote the latest film. Man, when Tron 3 comes out, that would be great, right? <laughs> be awesome. No so it comes down to the fact that Epcot and, you know, Walt Disney World Resort as a whole are no longer really investigated and implementing uh, technologies in order to create a better world. You know, we did face a severe uh, resource crisis uh, during the 70s, and that influenced how Disney was able to get Epcot Center built. And, you know, major companies were willing to help support Walt's dream that was supposed to end the problems of our big major cities. And granted, we, we do understand that the world has changed and that people want more entertainment than education, and also, you know, we also face this gigantic uh, fiscal crisis now, um, but uh, instead of these energy crises of the past. And people change, and Disney has to keep up uh, to continue to get people to continue spending their money at the resort. Hence, you can trace this evolution of, you know, the ADR, the dining reservations, the Fast Pass, Magic Bands, and My Magic Plus. Yeah, so, you know, personally, I'd like to see Disney get back to adding more cutting-edge tech to their parks and partnering with initiatives like the solar roadways. It's really, it is the type of forward thinking and the great uses of new technology that we need to see in Epcot because it's sorely, sorely missing. Um, Epcot Center from the 80s up until the early 90s inspired an entire generation of kids for the future, uh, including ourselves, basically. You know, lots of people we know do what they do today because of Epcot Center. And we'd love to see future technology showcased there again. And, you know, not just terrible rides like, like Soren. <sighs> I hate that ride. I hate it. They could put LED panels and say, Jeff, don't go here. That's fine. Direct You're me away from like Soren. <laughs> Direct everyone okay, away. Okay, so 
<laughs> we'd love to ask you guys, what new technologies would you like to see Disney look into for the Florida property? So take a few moments or wait to the end of the show and then give us a call or pause it and call us. But you can call us on the GOAT line at 424-785-4628. That's 424-785-GOAT. And tell us what technologies you want to see in Florida. He's a nerd, he's a geek, but we all like to hear him speak. So listen up to the words from his speech. It's George's Book of the Week. So with the proliferation and ease of publishing books, we've seen an influx of Disney-related titles. Um, some good and some not so good. I hate to use the term bad, but anyway. So we've got a book, Seen Unseen Disneyland by Russell Flores, and it's in its second edition. And actually, it's, it's a great read for people that are interested in seeing and learning about all of those little details that make up Disneyland. The book is in full color, yay, with every photo taken by the author. And we're talking hundreds of photos. All of the photos. Just give me all of the photos. <laughs> uh, you know, Russell, actually, he, he definitely is a photo-taking machine. Um, so much so that actually when I saw him over the weekend at Disneyana, he was already taking more photos for uh, volume two of the series. So the dude takes a lot of photos. Of he was taking <laughs> pictures of, of me, too. It was really, really weird. I don't, I don't know what that was about. Seen, seen Unseen Heimbach. That might be. I don't know. I don't know. But don't know. We're, we're talking about this first volume of the book. And, you know, it, it's great. It's a neat little guide, and, and it kind of takes you on a tour of Disneyland, and it points out all the details that have always been there, but you, you may have never noticed before. And uh, I think Russell explains in the introduction that it's the things that you see, but you never really see. <laughs> that, I mean, that's <laughs> how he explains it, and that's just how yes. I imagine him actually saying it out loud when I he explains it I can hear it, it now, yeah. It's like a conundrum. Yes. Um, so yeah, Russell, he, he does add a lot actually to the literature of Disneyland with this title, you know, simply by the photos alone. But it's, it's also interspersed with history, whether it's the history of the area or a snippet or two from an interview, it adds to the total package itself. You know, so far, my biggest complaint would be that I'd like some of the pictures to be bigger or maybe a little bit brighter so that I could see more of the detail itself. You know, even if Russell doesn't update the title, which we know he is, he still created a fantastic snapshot of Disneyland from, from our modern time, from our current time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, obviously we know this from the book, but also from talking to him, it's very obvious that Russell knows his stuff, and he has this very deep love and passion for the Disney theme parks, which is always great to see mm -hmm. these people that are very passionate about it. And, you know, in the book, he also does something that a lot of people, others, that they, they, they don't do. Um, he actually cites his, his <laughs> sources, which yes. is great to me. I mean, he he's inviting us to investigate these things even further in case we're curious to know more about it, which I always think is a great idea. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I, I feel like you just said, George, I mean, the photo's a little small, but that's just a limitation, I think, of the printing process itself. Um, I think it would have driven the cost of the book up more, and I think it's nice, a nice size and nice and affordable right now. So actually, I don't mm -hmm. mind how they are right now. Sure, yeah, that makes sense. You know, it's it really is obvious that Russell did his homework. You know, while he was researching the book, the index is pretty impressive, and he does back up all the information in the book, like like Jeff said with the citation. Uh, the title itself is divided by themes instead of land by land, which I kind of like that. It was a different approach. 
Um, so, you know, Russell will cover all the garbage cans in one section, or here are some of the building details, or restroom signs. Booyah. You know, yeah, seriously, it's like it's like Russell is our Communicore Weekly. Not he can't be our twin. He'd have to be the triplet. Ah, uh, he's a, a step twin. A step twin. A step. So twin. we adopted him later, but he. Yes. So okay, that works for me. That's fine. He'll be our step twin. He clearly awesome. he knows us though. Clearly, <laughs> but I mean, I really think if if you want like a quick, interesting read to, to bring into the park with you, it's a nice visual guide to spot stuff. And I, I think it, it's a great thing, even if Russell yells at me and tries to scare me from behind so he can get a, a Communicore Weekly cadet pin for me. <laughs> I won't hold that up against him, though. And, and he does, apparently does, accents as well as we do. He does many accents that are just as bad as ours. <laughs> many accents. Yes. But we still love him. Of so. course. Of course. All right, this week's book was Seen, Unseen Disneyland, What You See at Disneyland But Never Really See by Russell Flores. So I recently met up with uh, Keith Gluck at Disneyland, and we were also hanging out with our friends uh, Benjamin and Mason. And uh, we, Keith and I hadn't done a Dueling Disney in a while, so we decided to do an audio Dueling Disney, and we brought Benjamin and Mason in with us, and we teamed up with each other. So let's take a listen and see how that went. All right, recording. Go ahead. Hi, I'm Benjamin Schrader. And I'm Mason Schrader. And you are listening to... Ooh, an audio of Dueling Disney. Okay, today's topic is Tomorrowland, and Jeff and I will be representing the Magic Kingdom. And well, Keith and I will be representing Disneyland. Unfortunately. And I would just like to thank Aristella Pryor. <laughs> thank thank, thank you, you, everybody, for listening. Good night, everyone. Thank you, Benjamin. I think Benjamin, Benjamin and I just won that round yes. right off the bat. All right, Mason, what do they have in our Tomorrowland? They got some They got some stuff from Marvel, don't they? Well, yeah, we got the, well, we got what used to be the Carousel of Progress. Basically, they turned it they, into a whole marble. A big dead spot that no one goes to. <laughs> Hey, hey, people like, people like. We got the whole Marvel pavilion, basically. Yeah, where's all your guys' Marvel stuff out in Florida? But do you have Cosmic Rain Starlight Cafe with the singing alien? (laughs) I gotta say, I do love Cosmic Rays. That's true. But, but, we have... Or we had Captain Neo. That's right. We did have Captain Neo. Where's your guys' Captain Neo tomorrow? Oh, uh, well, we have one at Epcot, so I, I think we're covered there, Jeff. Yeah, I think we're pretty okay with the Captain Neo front. Yeah, I mean, I mean once you weigh it out, I mean, Carousel of Progress, oh. Captain Neo. I mean, there's really no, no comparison. Can, can I throw out another trump card for yeah. us at the Magic Kingdom? Yeah. The Tomorrowland Transit Authority, the Woodway oh, People Mover. Oh. Yeah! We got two right there, guys. I mean, oh. need we go on? We, what, we, what about a Space Mountain that doesn't almost eject you from the seats? Wait, 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 wait! <laughs> I mean, I, I seriously think I almost went to the emergency room in Florida. <laughs> but... Ladies and gentlemen, in the interest of full disclosure, we were discussing with Keith earlier today, and he actually said that he preferred the water. Oh. 
I'm glad Benjamin's on my team. <laughs> hey, but see, I got Mason though. So what are we gonna hit him with, Mason? We have, we have the. Okay, I'll think of something. Well, right now at least we have the Guardians of the Galaxy preview. That's true. That's true. Do you guys have that? Do you ever want? Call me when you ever want to see. Hey, we have an Autopia. And it's oh, way better than the Indy Speedway because the Indy Speedway makes you want to pass out from all the gas fumes. Okay, I'll give you that one. That's fine. And I know I'm going to get flack for this one, but I do enjoy Stitch's Great Escape once uh, every five years. Oh, God. What's that? I'll use that oh, one. No, I'm glad you brought no. that up. I'm glad you brought that up, Jeff, because that actually is a point for us. That you guys... <laughs> we don't have okay, Stitch's Great okay, Escape. But did, <laughs> but did you ever have an extraterrestrial alien in the calendar? No, no, no and we not. And we thank goodness. We had magic right. journeys, though. Oh. <laughs> I still think the extraterrestrial encounter is a point. We get that point back. Yeah. I, I don't know, though. I don't know. It kind of scares small but children. No, That's true. But like he? Yeah. <laughs> you know what they say. If tomorrow land can't be done with eggs, it shouldn't be done at all. <laughs> Man, I think I think this whole topic was was was, it was rigged. Yeah, exactly. It was a rigged topic. <laughs> Me and Mason got a bum rap on this one. Sorry, you chose the wrong. You chose poorly. He chose poorly. <laughs> we could also throw out there that our our Astro Orbiter is uh, oh, way better and a way better location. Don't even than bring in Astro Orbiter, that unthemed piece of trash. It <laughs> shouldn't even be in the discussion. <laughs> You add it first. <laughs> Amazing. And I can't even talk. That one made me laugh so hard. <laughs> Basically picking the, the best adjectives to use to describe these attractions. <laughs> They're doing the audio dueling Disney better than we are. Exactly. I think we've, we've found our successors. Well, I, I, th- I think we had the idea first. <laughs> I think we did too. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't know. What do you think, Mason? Should we, show the, should we officially throw the towel in or what? I gotta say, I think it's kind of a Kobayashi Maru. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, we gotta admit defeat him. All right, you yeah. guys win this round. So we're gonna score one for the Magic Kingdom now, is what we're saying. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, Walt Disney World wins. Yeah. But, okay. Keith and Mason win for having the better adjective, so it's, right. it's, it's, it's a wash. Okay, grammar wise, I'll give you that okay. one. Okay. Benjamin and Jeff went for having the carousel of <laughs> That I will concede seven days a week, sir. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> done and done. Thank you very much for listening. Sometimes you might see it, sometimes you don't. Hey, look, what's that? It's a five-legged goat. I was recently wandering around Buena Vista Street when I was waiting for Benjamin and Mason and Keith and all them and, you know, and the Benjamin and Mason's family for dinner. And I was, you know, stumbling around the shops and I wandered into, not drunk, just to, for clarification. I'm thinking sort of like a bull in a china shop. Oh, that is that is me when I go into shops. you got a, a Heimbuck stumbling in a china yes, shop. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so this time I stumbled into Atwater Ink and Paint Shop. Uh, and it was been, you know, the first time I was there in a while. Now, we, we discussed this shop before in a previous file like a goat, but this one really caught my eye because along the back wall, there's this big bulletin board. Uh, so folks can, they can post notices, obviously not real ones, but like ones the Imagineers put there. Um, and there was one advertisement which featured a few hidden details on it. It advertised the 
Fiesta Buena Vista, a farmer's market and a street fair. Now, aside from the normal fair things, it's said that on Saturday and Sunday would feature musical performances by Mariachis Tres Caballeros, and then Tres Hermanas de Silver Lake and Cuatro Cartel de Bamburinos, Aurora Miranda, Carmen Molina, and Dora Luz. Now, aside from my terrible pronunciation <laughs> of all those Spanish words, again... Um, so that middle section, it actually refers to the Silver Lake Sisters, whose uh, photos can be found at the Starbucks just up the street. Um, I love the Silver Lake Sisters. They're awesome. <laughs> uh, but the other acts, of course, refer to my favorite film of all time, The Three Caballeros. And the three lovely ladies I mentioned are all featured in the film. And it was kind of appropriate for the weekend since I gave that talk about the South of the Border trip. So it was kind of cool to accidentally see that for the first time ever. So my question is, have you actually removed the costume? The, the one I wore at Disneyana? Uh-huh. Uh, yes, I'm only saying that because you can't see me right now. <laughs> I was just wondering if you showed up for work dressed up and like, oh, hi, it's Jeff. It's still technically, you know, work appropriate, so it's fine. Uh, I was true. wearing that's nice true. pants, slacks, and a button-up shirt and a bright yellow lady suit jacket so it's totally appropriate for work totally appropriate as long as you took the tail feathers off no no they have to stay on come on they have to stay on their permit i gotta be screen accurate uh, <laughs> come on and it's okay if my feathers are not screen accurate oh, yeah that's okay. fine keith didn't have screen accurate feathers he didn't have any feathers so yeah, well i go win figure. go figure i win <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for watching and listening to another episode of us. Yes, please leave us a comment and give us a rating on the good old iTunes. You can always email us at communicorweekly at gmail.com and, and, and tell us what you think about Jeff's outfit. Yes, it was great. That's all you need to know. <laughs> you can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com. Check out all the cool posters we, we pictures we uh, post mm -hmm. during the week. Because we post a lot now. Because we have the yes. theme days. And I did post that picture from Diziana of my costume. So, I mean, you're missing out if you're not following us there. <laughs> and follow both of us on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Imaginerding and he's at Jeff Heimbach. And of course, give us a call on the Communicor Weekly Goat Line at 424-785-4628. And if you haven't yet found out how Jeff and George saved the world, download your copy of Communicore Weekly, the musical, at CD Baby, iTunes, Amazon, and for free on Spotify. And of course, buy some of our cool shirts on our web store, CommunicoreWeekly.com. Seriously, that ghost whistle shirt is fantastic. <laughs> I ordered one the day we put it up, and it should be home waiting for me right now. So I'm going to go <laughs> home and put it on and just wear it all night long. Yeah, I stumbled slightly because I was waiting for the ghost whistle, but you didn't do it. I didn't do but it. That's okay. That's I did okay. it at the beginning of the show. We I did, did it at the beginning of the show. We don't, we don't want to ruin it. We don't want to ruin my it. fulfilled so. my quota for, for the two-week status, so we're good. <laughs> well, for Jeff Heimbuck, I'm George Taylor. And for George Taylor, I'm Jeff Heimbuck. Thanks so much for listening, guys and gals. We'll see you next time on CommunoCore Weekly, the greatest online show. <laughs>